Hey, hey. Um, I, I was wondering, are you doing anything tonight? Are you free? Um, no, I'm not doing anything tonight. Why? Do you want to go out on a date? Ooh, a date, huh? Um, oh, actually, yeah, I did have plans. Uh, yeah, I have plans. Plans with what? Actually, I have plans with my radio. Your radio? Because I'm listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Oh, well, we could listen to KUCI in Irvine together. Uh, no. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. This is Katrina. Um, So I just wanted to let you listeners know that this episode contains um, discussion about sexual assault and violence. So if this kind of content may be triggering to you, then maybe you might not want to listen to this episode. But you can listen to some of my other episodes instead. Thank you. Hello everyone, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Katrina and you're listening to All Things Considered, a show where I talk about sex, casual dating, and everything that comes before and after and in between. Um, So on all my shows, obviously I'm talking about these subjects related to sex and dating. Um, And a big part of you know, sex and dating is consent and getting consent. Um, And so I feel like what we've been seeing in the media a lot recently is like obviously a lot of cases of sexual assault and sexual harassment and women coming forward with their stories. Um, And one of these cases in particular, it really caught my eye because I feel like there's been a lot of... um, I don't know, like, there's been a huge, like, divide over it, whether this is okay or whether it's not okay and how to classify it since it's, apparently, it's a gray area. And so that thing that I'm talking about is very recently Aziz Ansari. um, He's an actor from, I don't, I think Parks and Rec or something. But, um, yeah, he got accused of sexually assaulting this woman and um, because... Yeah, so he got accused of sexually assaulting this woman and, like, repeatedly, like, coercing her into basically just having sex with him. And um, it's, people are, there's kind of, like, this mixed opinion about it because some people are like, oh, well, that's just a hookup that she regrets. And um, other people are like, no, like, that's actually 100% not okay. Um, And so I feel like there's just a lot to be said about this and how very similar it is to like maybe a lot of um, things that go down you know especially in like a casual like hookup culture you know um yeah so today we're talking all about consent and just just everything with consent but today I'm talking with my good friend Tess who she came back just to be on my show and so yeah do you want to introduce yourself hello everybody my name is tess andrea and i'm super excited to be here with katrina on all flings considered love the npr homage i know (laughs) so good steven skeep is so proud of you right now (laughs) yeah but 
what so i mean before this i read you a little bit about it actually maybe just so my listeners aren't gonna get confused i'll read a little bit or kind of summarize the case so basically i read the article and you can all read it online too it's called i went on a date with aziz ansari it turned into the worst night of my life it's by katie way and it's on the website babe.net and basically um this girl she describes how she had been on a date with um um, aziz and sorry and then um throughout the date he just was very sexually aggressive like it started out it started out just very fast already right off the bat like um they were just kissing and suddenly he was already trying to like have sex with her and um she states throughout the article you know like i gave um verbal cues i gave nonverbal cues and so i'm just gonna read like a short excerpt um that i had saved because i feel like it, it what's it called i feel like it sums up the article really well so <clears throat> okay so this is a short excerpt from it she says throughout the course of her short time in the apartment she says she used verbal and nonverbal cues to indicate how uncomfortable and distressed she was most of my discomfort was expressed in me pulling away and mumbling. I know that my hands stopped moving at some times, she said. I stopped moving my lips and turned cold. Um, and then she also says at one point, she just felt like super uncomfortable with how quickly things were escalating. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on this overall? To, to me, when I was reading that article, like, I definitely was not reading that article and thinking, I didn't even think there was a gray area in here, you know? I was like, this is not okay. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting the divide in the conversation because it really seems like it comes down to people who don't understand that coercion is not consent Mm -hmm. and manipulating someone or consistently pressuring someone even if they eventually say yes it's a reluctance Mm -hmm. and that's not full and like affirmative consent and we I think it's it's interesting because you know we're in California and we're on a college campus and so California passed actually affirmative consent laws which means you have to be actively consenting at every stage and you know they did that for a reason because apparently many people have a difficult time understanding body language or reading non-explicit forms of no um, just hesitations or you know just general signs of discomfort and I think that this situation seems to me like it fits very perfectly in that category of folks not understanding that there are clear signs when somebody is interested in you and when you are both on the same page and it does not seem like that situation that's what's going on in that situation yeah It also just seems like a very kind of like older version or like older definition of how people view like, you know, sexual activity between two people, which is, you know, that maybe a woman should hesitate and should be reluctant and you have to, you know, coerce her into doing it. And, you know, you have to help her remove the shame of being sexual or being sexualized in any way and and 
y'all, we are in a new generation. We need to move forward with that kind of thinking that women cannot actively engage women or, you know, any type of person, whether you're on, on, you know, where, however you identify that people cannot actively engage in consent and cannot actively engage in sexual activity and that there's one party that's more dominant or domineering or has historically held the power in most sexualized relationships has to coerce the other party we know yeah like that's not okay it's like you know the big part about consent and i guess like I wouldn't say it's a new definition of consent, but the one that we should be adopting now and, like, college campuses are is that consent is active, you know? It's actively saying yes to, you know, your sexual encounters and stuff. At every stage. At every stage. You know, like, it's not uncommon. And, like, in my experiences and potentially in your experiences and I'm sure in your listeners' experiences, it's not uncommon to, you know, at first be like, yeah, this is really cool. I like this. Maybe, you know, you're engaging in some things. And then maybe your partner, you know, just does something and you're like, honestly, that was a huge turnoff. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm, you know, maybe you triggered something in me or maybe you just kind of made me feel uncomfortable and not trust you because of like something you said or something you did or an action or a way you even just touched my body or held me you know maybe it just made me feel uncomfortable and all of a sudden I don't want to do this and that's also fine and I feel like you know we're starting to open the conversation up more you know include survivors in the conversation more and so as a society we're learning a lot more about trauma and the way trauma affects people and if you're, you know, having a, a, like you're in a casual dating environment where you don't know the history of this person, you don't know, you know, how certain actions that you may, you know, do or portray will affect another person and whether that will just be a huge turnoff. But don't take it so personally. Just recognize that everyone's dealing with their own issues and talk to them about it if you really want their consent if you no, if you sorry Mm -hmm. if you really want them to participate in a sexual activity then you must equally as bad want their consent so you know no that's good that's good that's so true that's so So figure out how to get it yeah exactly figure out how to get it i feel like um with this article a lot of what i was hearing about it from the people who are like oh well like it's okay or like he didn't know he didn't know he couldn't read her verbal cues it was a gray area and like like okay the tweet that i said someone said if it's a gray area it's not a play area and that's so true it's like if he really couldn't read her body language then like why would he still be so aggressively trying to like get her to have sex with him you know and again and again and you see throughout the article she says like I kept moving my hand away or like I stopped like actively enjoying it stuff like that and like I don't know I what is it with people not being able to read like body language or like what is it with people using the excuse of like oh well they didn't know they didn't know um I think it it really has to do with the fact that Situations like these, uh, you know, situations of sexual assault, one, situations of manipulation and coercion into sex acts are just incredibly common. 
And it's a reality that most, you know, female identified people, but people of all, you know, gender identifications have dealt with for a really long time. But I feel that men just don't really get it. And I'm not trying to categorize all men. I'm not like a no all men person. But, you know, it really is like that's like the dominating narrative is that y'all just think this is okay because you've been doing it. Exactly. And and it's not okay. And it's not okay. And people have been trying to say that for years, but it's now finally coming full force. And I think that many people who are having a hard time dealing with this are having a hard time because they've probably done something similar or they know many people that have done something similar or they've thought yeah or it's happened to them and they're just normalizing yeah or they're normalizing it or they've just thought that that type of like you know they've seen that portrayed in in narratives you know from you know their parents or you know people around them or the sexual advice that they were given to media and music and movies and so they think it's normal Mm -hmm. and I think you know we're really missing a huge point to tell people that it's not normal and that this needs to stop being defined as normal because there's half the population on the other side that is trying to tell you it's not normal and it also is it's affecting you know society negatively and it's not (coughs) allowing us to have the sex that we deserve (laughs) no yeah I totally agree like we need to stop normalizing this kind of behavior and like I think that's why this case is really or like this article is really important because now it's showing people that like you know just because like this has you've done something like this Mm -hmm. doesn't mean like that should be the norm at all like you know yeah and it it's just a it's it's an interesting situation definitely and I I do I do tend to see in a lot of the narratives that are kind of being written and created around the media, there is a huge generational divide Mm -hmm. between like people, you know, older generations who have a hard time understanding why this is problematic. That's true. Like I've seen that recently. Like, isn't it like a bunch of actresses in France and they're like, oh, like, especially around um, the cases of sexual harassment and the older actresses in France, like Bridget Bardot, she was just like, oh, like, they just do that. Like, they know what they're getting themselves into, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, that's not okay. Like, is it just, like, an older generation? They, they, it's so embedded in them that they can't recognize that actually that kind of stuff is not okay. Yeah, and I think that many people, you know, have a hard time discerning what they were kind of bred into, the mindsets and the ideologies that they were bred into and what they actually hold to be true themselves. And I think at a, over a certain period of time, after a certain while, those those two things tend to bleed together and and you eventually cannot separate the two. But I mean, we're, if you're born into a culture that's telling you, you know, people, there's one party that's going to be submissive and one party that's going to be dominant and that 
submissive party isn't going to give their consent the dominant party is just going to take whatever they want um you know then you you generally genuinely tend to believe that but what we're finding out is that we're doing a lot better with understanding the really clear like you said like you know the quote unquote clear experiences of sexual assault and sexual harassment workplace violence but we're having a difficult time as a society running through the nuances of conversation that is more complicated because it has to do with personal preference human behavior and nonverbal communication which apparently men are just horrible at you know and honestly nonverbal communication is something that women are really good at just because like we have to be and like we're um what's it called we're raised by society to have to read nonverbal cues just so we can like survive and like for our own safety you know yeah, and we're just we just tend to be more nuanced communicators in general and more clear and more um you know compassionate as well and we just have a history of ha- needing to adapt our ways and our views into you know what the what the dominant kind of narrative is and it's really important that there is a pushback and you know not every situation you're not gonna even if you you know might consider yourself a feminist you might consider yourself you know progressive or anti-sexual assault or harassment not every case is going to look to you as something that you would define in a particular way exactly like Aziz Ansari like he always called himself a feminist you know yeah and I think that it's really important that at every stage you're still asking yourself you know, why do I not believe this person? You know, if I really have always been a proponent of, you know, a, of survivors and an ally to survivors, you know, why am I not believing this person? What about this am I not okay with? And if you're kind of coming up with these conclusions that like, oh, well, it just seems so like, you know, it just seems like not a big deal. That's a very selfish point of view. And it's not a big deal to you because you didn't go through it. Or maybe you did go through it and it wasn't a big deal to you when you went through it. But that's not the case for everybody. Exactly. And so being respectful of, you know, if somebody says it's not a big deal, it's not. And if somebody says that it is, then it is. is. Always believe survivors. Always. Because, like, you know, like you hear it a lot, but it's so true. Like, it takes a lot to, like, go out there and tell your story you know yes because like you you know going out there with your story you've already seen like how much backlash like this woman has gotten just for telling her story so i mean it's i i always find like i'm always like genuinely really curious as to like people who think that women or you know folks will will claim you know sexual assault and harassment to get popularity or fame or money i don't think that happens i I just don't like you know give me one example of a, a woman who has gotten like good fame and like good money from like being a like coming out with her story as a survivor against like some powerful like famous man you know that's the thing and that's like it it should it should tell us something that these men will do these things for years for decades and get away with it it should tell you that should 
gave you an understanding of how hard it is to come forward with what's going on and to to put yourself in a position to fight power and to fight people who control your future, your job, your you know income, your livelihood, your family's livelihood, um, you know, and and we're not just talking about Hollywood. We're not just talking about the media, right? We're talking about all people who experience workplace harassment, you know, from, you know, domestic workers to, you know, like cleaning staff in <clears throat> buildings on night shifts and, and, you know, situations like that, that it is really hard to speak truth to power. And I think that we as a country understand that and we see that happening not just with like, you know, gendered sort of divisions, but also, you know, in amongst racial tensions in this country, political tensions in this country and things like that. It's really hard to speak truth to power. And so to just automatically assume. Yeah, to just assume that like, oh, this person's just lying. It's like. Please. Yeah. <laughs> please, please. Please. But so I guess going back to this one thing we said we wanted to talk about was like how to navigate these mm-hmm. situations with consent so like on my show I talk a lot about sex and casual dating and I feel like you know casual hookups are definitely a part of that and like I don't know how do you just like go about it and like how do you make sure I don't know you know what I mean yeah <laughs> no I mean and that's like you know that's why this is a really important conversation because consent everybody like on the surface value everybody thinks like okay I understand consent I understand how to get it you know I get it I totally get it I don't need to like think about it you know before I go into a situation I don't need to have like a plan of action you know Mm -hmm. technically but I on on the whole I find that to not be true I find that most people actually don't understand consent Mm -hmm. and they do not have a way to approach you know asking for consent or to generate uh, how to gain consent or in developing like awareness of whether someone is giving consent when they're when you're asking for it and so I think you know we talked about having you know the the spectrum of being in casual situations all the way up to um, you know committed long-term relationships and how each one is going to be a little bit different you have to be flexible as an individual and how you approach situations of consent depending on like what situation you're in um, but especially in casual dating situations it's just you know if body if you know that body language is not something that you can read very well and like that's why like if you are going to engage or try to engage in sexual activity with somebody, you kind of have to know yourself a little bit and know, you know, take it upon yourself to like, you know, be introspective and learn. Like, am I kind of bad at gauging body language? And if you're kind of bad at gauging body language, then you need to make sure that you're getting verbal, verbal, you know, consent. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with just straight up asking like things like, oh, is this okay? Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why people have such a... I don't know. They think, like, oh, that's weird. And, like, people try to make fun of it. Like, oh, am I supposed to ask everything? Like, oh, can I kiss you now? Or, like, oh, can I do this now? Like, what's wrong with that? You're just asking. And I feel like you can do that, you know? Yeah. And it's <clears throat> doesn't, it doesn't have to, like, ruin the... Quote-unquote, ruin the moment. Or wow. That's so ridiculous. I hate I that. I hate that. I hate that. Like... <laughs> ruining the moment why yeah because she's gonna say she might say no yeah Yeah, or or she she might say say no no. yeah if she says no then like 
okay <laughs> you know sorry try yeah. try next time sorry. ask again later yeah. like you know in not a pressing and coercive way though <laughs> within reason you know but you know you just have to you just have to have a little bit of a game plan and if you feel like you're pretty good at reading body cues I still think that you know in the beginning and and you need you need to have a more explicit verbal consent especially if it's like you're gonna have sex with someone you don't know that yes well. like, just ask for consent and yes with the caveat that I don't know. Maybe in long-term relationships, it even becomes more important to continuously practice asking, you know, and developing consent lingo because the more you're with someone and the more familiar you get with somebody, the higher your propensity to just assume that whatever you're going to do is okay. You know, and you don't have that like and, you know, that like uncomfortability of being like, I don't really know this person. And you're not like you don't like hesitate because you're not like, I don't know if even they're going to like this, you know. Um, But when you know somebody a lot more and you have a longer history, you know, of sexual activity, then you generally tend to think like, "Ah, I know what this person wants. Like, I got this. Like, you know, put me in, coach. I got it. (laughs) Um, But I think that, like, it becomes maybe, like, not more important, equally as important, you know, to develop a a game plan for asking your long-term partner for consent and... um, you know, they're, your partner, even if you're dating your partner for a very long time, they may go through, they may be going through stuff like mentally, emotionally, or even physically that they may not be sharing with you. And that might affect their, you know, sex life or desire to have sex or even comfortability with having sex. And just because you are with them and in a committed relationship does not mean that you should assume, you know, you know what's going on with them. And I think that should just be a general rule for any relationship, you know, regardless of whether it's about, you know, your sex life or not. But I think that that definitely is maybe something that long-term partners can overlook in one another is, you know, not thinking that they need to understand the nuances of what someone's life is in that moment and the moments that are, you know, going on before them. Um, I have a, an, like a personal experience with that in which um, I've been with my, I've currently been with my my partner now about five and a half years. And at the time we'd been together about three and a half years and most people would consider that, you know, fairly decent yeah. amount of time. That is in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we were in a, you know, fantastic relationship. There was a lot of trust. There was a lot of openness. There was a lot of good communication. And we had, a, you know, we have a lot of fun together. And, um, but, you know, it, it got to a point, there was like a, a point where I, you know, went through some stuff emotionally and I was dealing with my own personal trauma I was also I've, I've been a longtime survivor advocate and done a lot of organizing work around that and I was you know a contact point person for many survivors and I was also a peer educator around sexual assault and gender-based violence and so I just had these kind of constant experiences of sexual violence and and gender-based violence floating in and out of my life all the time and it really started to weigh on me pretty heavy and it was affecting my sex life and it was affecting my ability to desire sex. And I just, I just couldn't. And I, I was very stressed out about it. And I also just had a lot of, you know, 
I was very angry about a lot of the things that were, you know, going on, a lot of the situations that people were telling me and things that I had been through myself. There was definitely a lot of anger there, a lot of feelings of frustration, and it was really affecting my ability to just relax and to see sex as something that was positive when I was just inherently seeing it as something that can inflict a lot of violence on people. And I just really never desired to have sex with my partner. And, you know, this is someone that I really trust and who never coerced me or pressured me or, you know, who had never had, you know, I'd never firsthand experienced violence with him, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And I felt inadequate as a partner and I felt like I couldn't I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing like, quote unquote, my job because a lot of the narrative around, you know, women in relationship is that one of the main things that we're there to provide is, you know, sex mm-hmm. and sexual relief and, you know, and, um, and so you always feel that pressure, you know, always. And I don't know. I don't know if that ever goes away. I think maybe after a certain while, you just don't care anymore. And maybe it does. Mm -hmm. Maybe as like the conversations in society start to change more, you you do. But, you know, you kind of always there's always that narrative that like, you know, you have to perform Mm -hmm. and um, it gets it gets challenging when you don't have the desire to. And then you have those narratives and then you're like you know, caught between a rock and a hard place because you love this person and you ultimately do want to provide, you know, a positive and healthy sex life with them. Um, but you can't bring yourself to personally do it. And, you know, how do you navigate that situation? And I, I went about it really wrong. And I would just like basically coerce myself into having sex with him. And I would kind of just force myself to have sex with him even when I didn't want to. And it was painful and it never felt good and it never, I never enjoyed it or whatever. But, you know, we would be having sex. I don't even know if we would be happy. He would be having sex with me and he would stop and he would be like, this doesn't feel right. And I would kind of look at him like, don't ask me about it. Just keep having sex with me kind of look. And he's like, you don't want to do this. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, then why are we doing this? And I'm like, I've feel like this is what I have to do and you know he was always very patient about saying like I don't want to just have sex you know with you I want us to have sex together I want and that's really important yeah very important it's important and like that's the bare minimum yeah that's the bare minimum so you see like I even was like oh my gosh he's such a good guy for that but then I I caught myself and I'm like that's like a decent that's like bare human decency you know what i mean like everyone should be like that absolutely everyone should act like tessa's boyfriend you know and this is shout out shout out to you mitch (laughs) (laughs) mitch oh my god (laughs) um but you know and that's like that like really brings us back to that that like situation we're talking about that like it just has become really normal for consent to not be necessary you know, for it to just be enough that someone is acquiescing to have sex with you, that someone is reluctantly giving you access to their body. Like that has the idea is that that's enough. And it's not. And it's not. And it's not. And always check in with your partner, you know, even when even when it's been in a long term relationship, always just check in, see how the other person is doing. Like, honestly, your boyfriend did well and like 
I just can't believe that it's that can't be the norm, but it should be. It should be when you have a vested, you know, interest in that person enjoying what you're about to do as much as like you want to enjoy it, then it should be the norm because like I can guarantee that sex with the willing and like active partner so much better yes exactly (laughs) and like you know honestly if you really don't want that then just buy a sex doll yeah like there's options for you (laughs) but okay so we've reached the end of our time so i just want to say do you have any like last minute like words on the matter no i just you know go out there folks get consent just make it your own make it fun have a game plan Mm -hmm. For how you're going to navigate that. And once you have a game plan, it doesn't feel awkward to you anymore. And if anybody ever tries to make fun of you, another partner tries to make fun of you for asking for consent, get out of there. Yeah, get out. <laughs> I would say exactly the same thing. Like, for both sides, like, always be asking for consent verbally. If you can get it verbally, then that's great. But also, like, learn to read body language. Also. Yeah, please learn to read body language. Know yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you're going to enter a casual hookup, like, again, just always be asking for consent and make sure the person is, like, actively engaging with you and actively is wanting to be part of the thing. And, like, if you're ever unsure, then, like, hey, you know, it's okay to stop and then go home and, like, finish off by yourself. Yeah. It's always okay to just stop. Yeah, it is. It's, (laughs) like... You know, I just, it's not even like, I, like, I don't, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but like better safe than sorry, you know, just, just be a little risk averse, you know, you don't want to hurt somebody. You don't, you don't. At the end of the day, like, oh, all these like gray areas and stuff. Again, if it's a gray area, it's not a play area. (laughs) And there it is. And there it is. Um, Okay. So thank you so much for being on my show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, And thanks everyone for listening. Once again, I'm Katrina and this was All Things Considered. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Um, And yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye.